Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Started this series last week on uh, Matthew chapter 6, what we normally call the Lord's Prayer, and it's okay if you call it that, but we really know that this is actually the disciples' prayer. It's the, it's the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples to pray. He, he showed us that, hey, there's a right way to pray, and there's a wrong, wrong way to pray, and I'm going to show you the right way, remember? And that's exactly what uh, Jesus was teaching us. And so what we're doing uh, during this series is we are declaring the Lord's Prayer together. Right? So if you stand up with me, we're going to pray this prayer. I know you just sat down, but, but before you get comfortable, let's just kind of declare and pray this through, and I'll try to make sure that I'm not going by memory and going by the words, because we are trying to use a, a little bit more of a traditional uh, translation here because you're, you should be a little bit more familiar with it. So we know that there's so many different exchanges we could make on the words. So, all right, let's do this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Give somebody a high five. Come on. Good job. Good job. Good job. So again, last week we kind of talked about the posture of prayer. And Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching about praying. He's like, don't be like the hypocrites who, who like to pray out loud and to be seen. And then don't be like the heathens who pray a lot of words and just kind of ramble so that they think they can be heard by their spiritual words. And we talked about that, that we don't, we don't pray to look spiritual. We don't pray to sound spiritual. Come on, we pray to be spiritual. And so Jesus said, if you're going to be spiritual, then what you need to do is you need to have a place where you pray. You need to go and you need to shut the door and you need to get alone before God. And then he says, in this manner, pray. In other words, pray like this. And so for really followers of Jesus, we're going to pray the way that Jesus called us to pray, the way he instructed us to pray, because we're disciples of Jesus, and we're followers of Jesus, and we're following Jesus, then we want to follow all the things that he commanded us to do, not just the things that we like or that we're good at, right? And so he told us a, a couple of things, and, and I would just want to hit on our, our prayer points or our prayer tips, if you will, uh, from last week. And what I'm really trying to do is, is add a lot of practicality, okay, things that you can do. And so that's why you got the talk sheets, and that's why you have, you know, the notes on the, on the website and, and on the app and all those kind of things. And so the first thing that we talked about with this is that when we pray, Jesus said in Luke's version, he said, when you pray, say. So we said, one of the best things that you can do when you pray is pray out loud. And some of you are like, well, that's not my personality. That's okay. We're doing it the way Jesus does it. We're praying the way God wants us to pray, not the way that we're comfortable praying, but the way that God wants us to pray. So we pray out loud, and that will help you focus when you pray, if you pray out loud. Another thing is we pray to our Father. That's the one that we're praying to. We're not praying to saints. We're not praying to the fortune teller. Come on, we're not praying to the stars. We're not praying to the cosmos. We're praying to our Father, right, through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so when we pray, we're addressing him as, our Father. We have the spirit of adoption, and we talked about that. And then another thing is, is that when we pray, is that we pray confidently and courageously, right? Confidently and courageously. We don't, we don't have to be afraid to approach God. Come on, we've been made right, not because I behaved well this week or I have a really good track record. No, 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 but because Jesus provided a way for me to pray. In fact, Jesus, it's, it says in Hebrews that he lives forever to make intercession for us. So, so God, our Father, isn't just the only one in heaven. Jesus is also in heaven, and he's praying for us. He's been praying for 2,000 years. Come on. And so we can pray with Jesus, and we can have confidence. And we know that we can approach the, the throne of God with courage, with boldness. Come on to receive mercy or to receive grace in that time of need. So we talked about that. And however, when we approach God, we also want to do it uh, not just fervently, but, but reverently. Right? That when we approach God, that we don't forget who God is. That we don't take his name lightly. That we don't take it lightly that we can approach God. We don't ever take that lightly. We look at that as, man, hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. Your name is sacred. So I want to honor the name of the Lord. And so one of the ways that we do that, and this is the other prayer point, is that we emphasize his name is holy. So when you pray, sing. Even if you don't sing good. God likes it. Come on. 
God, nobody else might like your voice, but God does. He, he likes for you to sing. He likes for you to, to worship him. And so that's the posture of worship that we just get there and we say, God, you're so holy. I just honor you. I honor your beauty. I honor your name. You're, you're my father. Thank you, Jesus. And these are kind of modes that you can get in. And last week we practiced, and man, we put in like 10 minutes just on the first verse. And so our goal is to get you to be able to pray for an hour. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know how I could do that. Well, that's why we're te- doing this series. So today, we're continuing, and we're talking a, a little bit uh, about the King of Glory. And we're talking, you know, and, and I, I thought it was very, very fitting, and it really worked out pretty well that today is Palm Sunday, right? Today's Palm Sunday. And we wanted to come back with two services on Palm Sunday. And, and I, I want to talk for, for just a moment about that, because Palm Sunday is, is the kickoff. It's the launch. It sets the stage for Passion Week. And Passion Week is, is the week that Jesus is, suffers, right? This is where Jesus goes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and Jesus dies for us. We know on Good Friday, then we celebrate Good Friday every year. Why do we celebrate Good Friday? Because because it looks pretty on a postcard. No, you don't really see the crucifixion on a postcard, right? No, we call it Good Friday because it was good for us. It was good for us. It was a good thing that God gave us. And then we know Easter Sunday, which is next Sunday, that we'll be celebrating. Well, all that starts with this day called Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. And so Jesus is is going to head into Jerusalem. Come on, Jerusalem is the capital, if you will, of Israel. And Jesus is the king, not just of the Jews, but to the Jews because he is a Jew and the Jews are his people. And so it was customary in those days when a king went in, when he was being inaugurated or a king was um, coming in from a battle, what they would do is when he was outside the city and he was coming back in, what the people would do is they begin to cheer and have a party for the king, right? It's like he's showing up, so we're going to honor him. And so what, what was typical of the day is they would go and get palm branches and they would lay them before on the ground so that the king the king's feet never had to touch the ground. They prepared a way for them. And, they, and if they didn't have palm branches, and we see this in some of the go- other gospel accounts, that they were actually taking off their coats. They were taking off their jackets. They were taking off clothes. Whatever they could do to make sure that his feet didn't touch this dirty ground. Come on. And so they were just laying it down. And this is what they were doing on this, what we could call this first Palm Sundays. They were laying on palms and all these things. And so this was a, a tradition. And this, was, this is a custom of the day. And it says this in John chapter 12. Verse 12, it says, it's so funny when people sneeze in church because you get like 400 bless yous. It's awesome. I always want to sneeze in church. Come on. Now get this. Jesus is riding on a donkey. And typically, typically kings weren't riding on donkeys. Typically they were riding on horses, right? But Jesus, we know, is meek. Come on. We know that Jesus is humble, and he's showing us this beautiful picture. So he comes in. He's, he says, go get a, a colt and a donkey, and we can go in and all that, but we're not going to. And it says, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast. Now, now this is the Passover feast because, again, it's Passover week, which is Passion Week. And, when they, and it says this, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. I, I love this. I would just encourage you as you're reading through the Gospels, when they heard, when they heard. You know, there's people in the world today that aren't going to come to Jesus until they hear. Who's going to tell them? How are they going to hear? How's the word going to spread? You're going to do it. You're going to be the word spreaders. I'm going to be the word spreader. We're going to tell until every ear hears, until every heart bows. That's, That's our goal. And so it says this, and when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now that word Hosanna means, it's kind of like a cry for help. It means save me. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, he is the Lord. (laughs) He is the king. Bless him. So they're blessing him. They're laying down. They're saying, save us. Yeshua, save us. They're waving. They're laying those branches down. Yeshua, save us. Come in to this city and be our king. 
Come in and rescue us from the, from the kingdom that we're under. Come and, come and bring us under your dominion. We need rescue. And listen, this is the cry of those who want to be in the kingdom of God. We don't come to the kingdom of God to get an enhanced life. That is a benefit. Your life will be enhanced. But the reason why your life is enhanced is because you've been rescued from the clutches of hell. Because you've been rescued from the clutches of the kingdom of darkness. Did you know this? There's not three kingdoms. There's just two. There's the kingdom of darkness, and then there's the kingdom of light. And Jesus rules over the kingdom of light. And if you're not in his kingdom, you're part of the kingdom of darkness. And so Jesus comes in to say, I'm overthrowing the old kingdom, the old regime, and I'm setting up a new one. And the people are there going, save us. We need your rescue. And then we know what's awesome, and we just talked about this not too long ago, but we know that when Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, he goes to his father's house. Remember? He goes to his father's house, and what does he do? He goes into the temple where people are doing a bunch of stuff they're not supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be praying, and what are they doing? They're selling stuff. They're exchanging money. And Jesus comes in and he throws over the table. And we love that story. But get this, the whole point of Jesus throwing over the tables and the whole point of Jesus casting everyone out of the temple is not because, yes, what they were doing was wrong, but his intention wasn't just because what they were doing was wrong. His intention was that they had replaced the place of prayer. They had been doing something else. Have you replaced the place of prayer? See, it doesn't matter if you're exchanging money. It doesn't matter if you're doing anything, what you would consider wicked. Anytime that you've placed anything in the place of prayer, you've created an idol. What are you doing in your father's house? Who are you worshiping? So Jesus wants to throw the tables over, and that's what he does. He comes in, and he establishes his dominion, and he gets rid of the spirit of darkness. And he says, I'm reestablishing the purpose of this house. This house will be a house of prayer. And they look to him, and they're like, whoa. Zeal for your house has consumed me. What is he fired up about? What is Jesus fired up about? He's fired up about prayer. He's fired up about prayer. He's way more, listen, Jesus is way more fired up about prayer than we are. <laughs> and we want to be fired up about prayer. And get this also, that Good Friday, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, what, what do they put on the cross? So when Jesus comes in, he exercises dominion. Come on, notice that he didn't go to, the governor's seat. He went to the place of prayer. Oh, here we go. He went to the place of prayer to establish dominion. He didn't go to the governor's corner. He didn't go where the, the rulers of the land were. He went to the place of prayer. Listen, you want to rule and reign in life? Go to the place of prayer. That's where you need to be. That, listen, that's where the power happens. It doesn't happen because of the vote. I'm all about the vote. I'm all about it. I get it. All of that's important. Not minimizing that. But let me tell you what's more important and more powerful, the place of prayer. Have you replaced it? Don't replace it. You can't replace it. It's the most powerful place you can be. It's better than voting on policy. Vote on policy. Do it. But there's something that you have that's more powerful. You have access to your father's house. So when Jesus is crucified, what do they put on the cross? Held Jesus king of the Jews. So they're mocking what just happened days before. So what's happening on Palm Sunday? What's happening? The people are bowing. They're getting low. They're preparing the, preparing the kingdom. They're laying the groundwork for Jesus to come and establish his dominion. And so Jesus, when he teaches us this prayer, before that ever happens, he teaches us to pray something very similar. He teaches us to pray this in verse 9. Your kingdom come. We're laying down the palm branches. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's been in heaven since the beginning. But what we're praying is we're praying that now that that dominion would happen on the earth. We're praying the kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is talking about, really, this is the priority of prayer. Last week, we talked about the posture of prayer. Today, we're talking about the priority of prayer, the prayer priority. 
Not that you make it a priority to pray, but what is the priority of prayer? The priority of prayer is this, the king and his kingdom. The king and his kingdom. So prayer starts in this engaging thing where we're going, ah, your kingdom, your will. We want you to have dominance here. Dominion. That's what kingdom means. So that's the first line that we pray is, your kingdom come. What is, what is the kingdom? It's the king's domain. Real easy. We talk about this a lot. That means that the king has dominion over it. How many know that not everything in the world is under Jesus' kingdom? And people act like that. Well, God's just going to, it's just the will of God. It's just the will of God. No. If, listen, if it was automatic, then why are we called to pray it? If it was automatic, then, then, then why are you praying? Why are you telling people? If, this, if God's will is already happening, then why are we called to partner with God to see it happen? It's not, listen, I would say in most cases on the earth today, the will of God is not happening. It doesn't mean that he's not sovereign. He's just looked at people and said, will you agree with what I called you to pray? Are you laying down? Are you putting down the palm branches? So the kingdom is, 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 is the, dom- the domain in which the king rules over. And we'll get back into that in just a second. I got a little bit ahead of myself. And so what we do is we say this, and y'all have heard this a lot from me. We say God first. Did you know that God never told us in the scripture to put him first? No, no, no. He said he wants to be your all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He doesn't want to be first on your list. He wants to be central in your life. Everything. He wants it all. He wants all the priorities, one through 10,000. God, the list. God in the kingdom. God in my family. God in my wife. God in my children. God in my church. Are you tracking? It's all God. All the priorities point to God. But what Jesus does teach us to put first is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first the kingdom. So when we pray, and we're praying because God is central. So when we pray, the first thing that he tells us to do once we get in that posture is declare kingdom come. Seek first the kingdom. And then he says this. Jesus may, Now, when Jesus says that, he's talking about our needs. And most of us are driven by need when we pray. And then he says this, listen, if you will seek first the kingdom, I will take care of your needs. All these things will be added unto you. And so if we would be kingdom priority people, our needs would be met. You okay? So most make the need the priority of prayer. Your need is not the priority of prayer. The kingdom is the priority of prayer. See, prayer should be driven by the urgency of his kingdom, not the urgency of need. And some, the only time they ever pray is when they have need. And I wonder why they have so much need. Because if we were seeking the kingdom first, he would meet our needs. Come on, beloved. Those aren't my words. That's his. So prayer should be driven not by the, or, or, I'm sorry, rather, prayer should be driven by the urgency of his kingdom, not the urgency of my need. So if the only time you ever pray is when you have need, you're missing the point of prayer. The point of prayer is the king and his kingdom. And we talked about that last week, relationship. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom, again, is the domain over which a king rules. All that he rules over. All that he rules over. It happens at surrender. Did you know salvation happens at surrender? You, we can talk about the words. We can talk about the prayer. We talk about, listen, all salvation is this. And this is what they're saying when they say, Hosanna, save us. Is we're saying, I'm transferring my kingdom. I'm becoming a different citizen. I'm exchanging my citizenship. I'm no longer a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. Now I'm a kingdom, part of the kingdom of light. How does that happen? By surrender, right? So when we talk about kingdom, we've got to be what we call born again, right? That's John chapter 3. Jesus says, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom. So people, you, listen, you can't even get it. You can't even grasp the point of prayer. Why? Because you've got to be born again to even see it. And so there's a lot of people that are running around, and it's not that they're stupid. 
It's just they can't see it. Why? Because they haven't had the birth that it requires to see it. And listen, you can be in church for a long time and never be born again. Have you been reborn? And some of you are missing the kingdom all the time. Why don't you see it? I would encourage you to evaluate yourself. Have I been born again? I'm not talking about did you pray a prayer. I'm not talking about did you get baptized. I'm not talking about that. Have you been reborn? Has the old man died? Has the old passed away and the new, and all became new? And we are so consumed with this identity and who I am and being heard and being my voice that fails in comparison to who he is and what he brings you into. The way I am, the way, get over yourself. We are so polluted. The kingdom, this, the kingdom of God is so polluted with personalities that aren't his. Oh, come on. We need to be consumed with him. Y'all okay? All right. So salvation happens at surrender. Colossians 1.14, here it is. He has rescued us. How does he rescue us? Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be rescued on the name of the Lord. What are you saying? You're saying, Lord, I need your rulership. I need your leadership in my life. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Some translations say the kingdom of light. So you got to be born again to see it. Listen, the kingdom is this, where Jesus is obeyed and loved. Not just obeyed, because there's a lot of people that obey really good, but they don't love very good. If you get the love right, then the obedience will follow. So where Jesus is loved and obeyed, that's what the kingdom is. Where Jesus is really followed, and it has to start at that born-again place, that transfer, right? Transfer your credentials, right? Turn in your, uh, your, your, your citizenship. It's like if you want to be a part of this nation called the kingdom of God, you've got to resign all other allegiances, this is why I have a, and you all have heard me say it before, this is why I have a, a real hard time with churches doing pledges of, of allegiances. Because I'm not pledging, I'm, I, I don't pledge my allegiance to America. I pledge it to God. I pledge it to the kingdom. With, am I an American citizen and have responsibility? Yes, absolutely. I'm not bashful of that. I'm proud of that as an American citizen, but that is not even secondary. That's like way down there. It, and past Texas. Okay. Yes, good. We know. So this is, what is the kingdom? Again, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, he's talking about people that are consumed with food regulations. Hey, if they're eating this food, they're not in. If they're not eating this food, they're not in. Like all this like crazy details, right? He's like, guys, you are missing it. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, what is that? Right standing with God that happens through obedience to Jesus, to surrendering, right? They're being born again. How do you become righteous? You do better? No, you get born again. Then, the, then you have the righteousness of God, right? As righteous as he is. It's the kingdom. Peace. You want peace of God? We talk a lot about peace. Listen, Jesus said this. I don't offer that. People are like, well, Jesus, Jesus was a man of peace. You know what he said about peace? He said, I don't give you peace as the world gives it. I have a different kind of peace. I'm talking about peace with God, not between. Listen, your peace with God will cause a lot of tension with people. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, look at all the disciples minus one that didn't die a martyr's death. And they did try to kill him, by the way, many times. So, joy. Some people have a problem with joy. There's <laughs> too much joy. They're too, they're too happy. Listen, it's a third of the kingdom. <laughs> righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, if it's not righteous, it's not kingdom. If it's not full of peace, his peace, it's not kingdom. I'm not talking about worldly peace. I'm not talking about confidence. I'm not talking about being a, a peacekeeper. I'm talking about being a peacemaker, and there's a big difference. We're possessed by peace because we have the Prince of Peace. Come on. 
If it doesn't have joy, it's not the kingdom. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, you know, playing in fields of rainbows and riding a unicorn. That is not what joy means. I love the different definition that says this, that, that peace is quiet joy, and joy is loud peace. <laughs> I love that. So we have these two things that work really good. Again, not the way the world does it. So if it doesn't have righteousness, well, I don't know if I should do this or not. Does it look like Jesus? No, no. It's not kingdom. Is it peace? Does it establish peace? I'm not talking about does it feel peaceful because sometimes peace doesn't feel peaceful. Sometimes it feels tenacious, but there's breakthrough that comes, and then it's like way greater, greater than anything, way more euphoric than anything that some mandate could, pace, pay, uh, could pass. Is it joy? Listen, if it is continually robbing you of those things, it's not kingdom. If your mindset is continually being robbed by these things, it's not kingdom. So enter into his righteousness. Enter into the joy. Enjoy, right? Enjoy. You should enjoy this kingdom life, this kingdom life. Listen, pleasures that don't, that don't honor the Lord, that's not kingdom. It's entering into his joy. And, and the, the devil hates joy because if he gets your joy, he gets your strength. Okay? So make sure that you get your joy and then and enter into this peace invasion. Because really, Jesus, even though it doesn't look like an invasion with him riding on this donkey, it's an invasion. It's just a quiet, subtle, boom, invasion. Jesus invaded. Come on. He, va- he invaded in the manger. <laughs> Come on. And he, and he invaded in Jerusalem. And he will again. He will again. You right? Then he says this, your will be done. Now, we talk about the will of God and we make it really mysterious. Right? Oh, the will of God. What is the will of God? I'm fasting so I can know the will of God. Right? And I love that. I love that that's your heart. I love that you just really want to be surrendered to Jesus. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want to buy a pair of jeans if it's not your will. Like I was like, really? I think God is really that concerned about the pair of jeans I buy. And I get that. But listen, I understand this, that that's probably not really something that I need to be consumed with. <laughs> There's probably some jeans that aren't the will of God for me to buy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. See, the will of God happens when the kingdom is prioritized. And I think Jesus made no mistakes when he puts that together. The will of God happens when the kingdom is prioritized. God's will is this, that his kingdom is advanced. That's his will. So if what you're doing, you say, well, I don't know about this job. I just want to know the will of God. Can you advance God's kingdom there? That doesn't mean you have to work at a church. Come on, Jesus. If Jesus rode a donkey <laughs> into town as the king, I think that you can go low and subtle and come in and, and advance the kingdom. Tracking? So the question we always get, so God's will is his kingdom is advanced. How do I know God's will? Listen, you know God's will. Let me put it real simple for you. Because I know when we pray, we're like, God, I just want to do your will. And I love it. I love it again. I love it. I love it that you're so surrendered to that. But you want to follow God? You want to know God's will? Follow God's ways. That's it. That's it. How do I know the will of God? You do things God's way. There's a lot. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. There's a lot. There's a lot about being humble. (laughs) Do it his way, and he will direct your path. There's a lot. So if you want to know God's will, just do it his way, and he will direct your paths. But you just got to prioritize him or prioritize the kingdom. So if it's not kingdom, it's not his will. So one of the things that you can pray when you're praying the will of God is just say, Lord, what will you be most glorified in? That might not mean, that might not mean a, a change of job. It just might mean the way that you do your job. Lord, how can you be Right, because we get we get discontent and we go. I just don't think it's the will of God. It's so funny how we are as Americans. Like, look over, look over the, the history. I mean, you, listen, your comfort. I love you. Your comfort is not real high on God's priority list. Your peace is, and He'll take care of that. And your joy, but as far as you just being comfortable all the time, that's just not really 
That's just not really the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of God is comfort, convenience, and fast food. I mean, that's just not the kingdom. I would say you need the Prince of Peace because we live in a world of chaos. And it is opposite to what's happening. Okay? So, ask yourself when you're praying, what would God be most glorified in? And then meditate that and then do that. How would God most be glorified in my attitude? How would God most be glorified in my approach? Then do that. That's the will of God when he's most glorified because that's why we're here. Then he prays this or commands us to pray this on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not just your kingdom come or his kingdom is established in heaven and it's dominating on the earth, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will is that earth reflects or looks like heaven. Full of worship, completely consumed with glorifying God. That is the main point. Not enjoying the pleasures of this life. Come on. If those pleasures don't glorify the Lord, it's not permitted. What's permitted? What what can I do? Does it glorify the Lord? Can you glorify the Lord in it? Uh, no, not really. Then it's not. Then, then don't. Don't do it. If you can't figure out a way <laughs> to glorify the Lord in what you're doing, then stop doing it. It can be whatever. So this is the prayer tip on that. Pray that earth reflects heaven. Lord, that it would look just like heaven. Now, get this. I love this. I love to throw a little eschatology in here. One day the earth will become the kingdom of God. Right now, the kingdom is being advanced on the earth. It's happening. But one day, the earth will be the kingdom, right? You, you know that you're not going to spend a billion years in heaven just around the throne and worship. I mean, you're going to do that for like a thousand years. But guess what else you're going to do? You're going to rule and reign on the earth with Jesus. So Jesus, similar to Palm Sunday, Jesus will come back on the earth to Jerusalem. But he won't be riding the little humble donkey that time. No, no, he's going to come. He's going to have fire in his eyes. He's going to have a sword on his hand. He's going to be riding a stallion. He's going to have heaven's army with him. He's going to come in the earth invasion in the sky. The scripture tells us that every eye will see him. He will come down on this day in this holy procession. He will come down and he will execute judgment. Understand, he will make all things right. And evil in that day will not have a choice. Every knee will bow. Not no donkey anymore. He is coming back on a stallion to rule and to reign. He will arrive in Jerusalem. And the kingdom of this earth, here it is, Revelation eleven fifteen. 15. Then the, then the seventh angel sounded, the last one, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the Lord will recreate the earth and rule from Jerusalem on the earth, and we will be part of that kingdom with him, ruling and reigning with him on the earth. It's going to be awesome. So what are we doing with our lives right now? We're preparing for that day. We're laying down branches. We're laying down coats. We're laying down lives, saying, come on, Lord. Save us. Rescue us. We want you here. And if you're like me, and I'll I'll be honest with you, I've prayed this or or had this thought before. I don't know if I've prayed it. I've always had a little bit too much reverence to pray it. But I thought, I don't really want Jesus to come back because I want to do all these things, these human life things. Guess what? You know what? That's not a kingdom desire. I love you. I've had that thought before, too. A lot. But what I want more than any of that is I want to lay down so the king of glory can come in. So until that day, we're preparing for that day. Until that day, we're preparing for that day. What are you doing to prepare for that day? Not tomorrow, not next week, but when the king of glory shows up. What are you doing? Who is going to be here with an unsurrendered heart that you're going to work on? Come on. 
Who are you working on right now? Come on. Not just you. Who are you working on to be ready so they don't miss it when he shows up? I'm not trying to freak you out, some secret rapture thing. I'm not into that. But when he comes, listen, it's not going to be all, you know, daisies and roses. I mean, he is coming. There was a the TV personality said not too long ago, God doesn't judge. Jesus doesn't judge. I'm like, well, have you read the Bible? That is, that is what his ultimate authority is. Like, where are you getting this idea from? No, he, 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 he is judging, and he will judge. He will have the final say. He doesn't condemn us. He's drawing us to rescue us from that judgment. Are you tracking? He's kind and merciful and slow with us. Thank the Lord. He's drawing us. So, understanding this, and I know we, we got on that, but it's important that we're thinking kingdom, that we're thinking long term. What's your 10,000-year plan? What is it? I don't want to know your five-year goals. I want to know your 10,000-year plan. What is it? What is it? It's your millennial kingdom plan. Right? Come on. You just dream what you want to lead to Jesus. You're talking about, talking about money and God's like souls. Where's that fitting in? How many people you want to lead to Jesus this year? How many, how many sick bodies are you going to see lined up this year? So when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, what we're praying is the things that are in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? No. So what's God's will? Healing. Is there depression in heaven? No. What are we praying? God's will. Joy. Peace. Is there unrighteousness in heaven? No. So this guides you in prayer. Well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what God's will is. Yeah, you do. What does it look like in heaven? There's some things you know God is most glorified. No sickness in heaven. No depression in heaven. No dysfunction in heaven. But again, the will of God, is, it doesn't mean that you're out of the will of God if you're experiencing those things. But what you're doing is when you're praying, you're calling those things into alignment. Are y'all tracking? It's not a condemning thing. Oh, I'm out of the will of God. No, you're not out of the will of God. But that element about your life is not lining up with heaven. So when we're praying, we're praying. It's like I go to the chiropractor every week, and I'm getting an adjustment. So I'm, I need adjustments sometimes. you got sickness in your body. You need an adjustment. You're not a bad person. You just need to get lined up with heaven. And so when we pray for you, that's what we're going to pray. Line them up. That's what I pray. Y'all heard me? You pray for me. Line them up, Lord. On the earth. Out loud. I would suggest that unanswered prayers, and we're going to spend a week, we're going to do an amendment at the end, and I'm going to deal with unanswered prayers one week. I would suggest that unanswered prayers are less about the sovereignty of God and more about the participation of his co-laborers. Well, it's God's, God's sovereign. He is absolutely sovereign. He is absolutely all-powerful. But a lot of the decisions that are happening aren't up to him. They're up to us. So he gives us these things called keys, right? The keys of the kingdom. Who does he give them to? He gives them to Peter. What is he based upon? Peter has a revelation. You are Christ. You are Messiah. You are king. You're the Messiah. You, you're the one. And he's like, that's right, Peter. And then he gives him this statement. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. You're Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail it. What do you do with gates? You open them with keys. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Who has the keys? Jesus have the keys of the kingdom? No. The church does. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bound on the earth, bound on the earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. So what people do is they go around and they start praying, we loose. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? We bind. What do you, what do you mean by that? If you understand it, great, do it. Really, the, the, the better understanding for the verse, and I'm not changing the scriptures here, but just to give you a grid for it, with keys, you don't tie things up and untie things. With keys, you lock and unlock. So when you think about it as a key holder, what are you doing? You're unlocking things on the earth. You're locking things up. You have the, the power and the authority as a child of God who is kingdom-focused, kingdom come on, God-centered, and kingdom priorities. You have authority to unlock heaven's resources on the earth. Guess what else you have the authority to do? To lock them up. So who's got the keys? 
I, I lent my vehicle to this incredible family uh, last week, and they had it, and they were until they got a new car. They're in between vehicles, and guess guess who had the authority over my vehicle? I didn't. I mean, I guess I could call and say, "Get my vehicle home," but if they chose not to do it, they weren't doing it. They did choose to do it. Praise the Lord. But they had the guess. Guess who was driving the car? This is what we do. We sit around and we talk about our power. Oh, we just got we got the power of God. God's God's moving. I love it. I love it. I love it. But have you taken it for a spin? Have you pulled the keys out and got in and started it up and opened the garage and pulled out and took it for a drive? Have you done that? Because I know you got power, but have you drove the car? Have you drove the car? Are you stewarding the keys well? Have you taken it for a spin? See, God is in this thing called partnership. It's not just about God just kind of do whatever you want. No, no, no. God's in this thing called partnership where he says, who is going to have the keys and unlock things? So when you pray, pray like you're a partner. Don't just, God, it's just totally up to you because he's going, you know what? It's not totally up to me. It's up to us. I'll work on the hearts. You go do the work. So I like to say it this way. God is in charge of the product. We are in charge of the distribution. It's his product. He's got it. The signs, miracles, and wonders, it's not ours. The healing, it's not ours. The forgiveness isn't ours to give. It's his. But guess who demonstrates? It's called delegated authority. Guess who has the keys to those things? Guess who, has the, who is unlocking doors? Guess what? When you're witnessing to your friend at work that needs Jesus, when you're praying for the sick person on the street, guess what you're doing? You're unlocking things. You're unlocking healing. You're unlocking salvation. Beloved, we've got to win our unbelieving friends and neighbors. That's how the kingdom grows, through surrender. So you have number one permission. I'm way off. Number one permission. Pray like you're a partner. Number two is this, power. We have power. Delegated authority. We value power, right? God is moving today. We value it, and we exercise it. We have authority over anything that is contrary to what he rules over. You have authority, beloved, over sickness. You do. It's not your power that heals the sick. It's God's, but you have the authority. You got the keys to unlock it. Jesus isn't going to come back on the earth to pray for people. He already did that. He showed us how to do it. Then he gave gave us the Holy Spirit so we could do it, so we could do more of it. Power. Colossians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. If it's not power, it's not kingdom. Y'all okay? So we don't just talk about it, we bring it. We love it. We love to talk about it. We love to sing about it. We love to study it. We love all that. But we're not called to just know about it. We're called to demonstrate it. Come on. It's powerless. It's not kingdom. So when you pray, pray with authority. That doesn't mean that you pray real loud or a spiritual voice, right? You can. There's nothing wrong with that. But some people think if I get loud and yell at demons, then I'm taking authority. I found I have most, most authority when I'm praying is just when I'm calm and I'm direct. And so people, they get all scared. We rebuke you, Satan. We bind you. Listen, if you do that, I don't have a problem with that. But that doesn't mean that you have authority. It's not based in your volume or your tone or even even being able to say the right words when you pray. It's about understanding that I have the keys and I take authority right now in the name of Jesus over all sickness. I take authority right now of anything that is dysfunctioning you, whether whether it be broken mindsets, whether it be something going on in your body. I take authority right now and I bring it under the, the kingdom of God. I, I submit that to Jesus. I command you. I, I have authority. Listen, you have authority over demons and darkness. You have authority. Light always dispels darkness. Darkness, you will never see darkness come and take over light. Never. It never happens. Always light takes over darkness. And so when we're praying, that's how we're praying. And you can pray it loud. I pray it loud a lot. I'm like, Father, thank you. Sickness, go. Do it. This doesn't mean that I have more authority because I'm praying like that. That's just, that's just my demonstration. I'm excited about it. I <laughs> hope you're excited about it. <laughs> that was funny to laugh. <laughs> okay. Pray with authority. So don't, again, don't assume that volume or tone has anything to do with it because sometimes that's fear. I've seen people do that in fear. Oh, devil. You know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Right, just people doing that. I'm sorry, Lord. Demean to dishonor your name. 
If that's where your position needs to be, I command it in the name of Jesus who gave me authority over any darkness. Lord, I command depression to go in the name of Jesus because you've given me authority, not because I'm an authority, not because I'm prideful, but because I've bowed. The third is praise. We're hurrying. Third is praise. Praise. When you pray, praise. We talked about worship last week. You praise. What does that mean? Praise is different. Praise means celebration. So Psalm 24, my favorite psalm, he says this, lift up your heads, O you gates, that the king of glory may come in. Lift up your heads, O ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. So city gates were the place where the governors gathered together and made decisions. So he's saying, listen, all of you that have authority, lift up your heads, O you gates, because the king is coming. He's coming in town. Lift up, magnify his name, bow down with those palm branches, sit in with us. What are you doing? You're, you're glorifying the Lord. You're exalting the Lord. And when you're doing that, he's coming in. This is why it's so important that when you walk in, that you don't just come in and just kind of like, oh, it's just me and Jesus. We're just loving. We say, no, you're worthy, God. Jesus, you are so wonderful. We love you. We rejoice in you. What are you doing? You're preparing the way. And then the king of glory steps in. He's like, that's where I belong. I enthroned myself in their praise. So I'm just going to step right into that. So praise is an invasion invitation. So when you're frustrated, you put the praise on. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise and watch the king of glory come in. Again, exalting his name, his dominion, his power. So the prayer tip is celebrate his greatness. Lord, I'm not celebrating my situation. It's hard, but I'm celebrating you. You're the great one. You're the powerful one. You are the ruling and reigning one. You are the one. There's no one. You're the greatest. Just watch him come in. Just watch him. Just watch him exemplify his dominance in your situation. Come on, Lord. You're so great. He's like, I sure am. Here I am to take care of business. You're like, yeah. And what are we doing? We're just opening that gate with our praise. Number four is proclamation. I'm going to get through these real quick. Now, get this. In the Greek, it doesn't say it this way. It doesn't say it this way. Lord, if you would, would you just let your kingdom come? Lord, we're asking, would you let your will be done? That is not the tone in the Greek. See, in, in the Greek, the, 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 the verb is, is before the word. So in the Greek, it literally reads like this, kingdom come, will of God be done. It's not even a petition. It's a declaration. So when we say kingdom come, will be done, we're not praying, Lord, would it happen? We're not. We know it's his will already. So we're saying kingdom come, have dominance, will be done, have dominance. Listen, it is not a petition. It's a declaration. So when you're praying, declare, kingdom come, will of God be done. Over sickness, kingdom come, will of God be done. Over lack, kingdom come. (laughs) He ain't poor. Will be done. Number five, participation. Did you know that We put the feet to prayers. Because we have permission, we must participate. Uh, I heard Bill Johnson say this week, he said, I owe him answers to prayers. I was like, yeah. We owe owe God answers to prayers. Lord, would you just move? Lord, would you just move? And he's going, yes. Would you? Would you move? Would you talk, Lord, I pray that you would rescue, Lord, I pray that you would save that coworker of mine. You've been praying for five years, and he's going, I'm praying that you would go tell him. See, Jesus is, inter- get this, Jesus is interceding for us before the Father, and we're interceding for Jesus to the earth. You are intercessors. That doesn't just mean praying. That means you're representing him. Your co-laborers, your ambassadors. What does the kingdom of God look like? In America right now, what does it look like? It looks like his church. As imperfect as she may be. So I, I'm saying this, don't get out of the church. 
own it. Stop talking bad about yourself. I, I, I about, about start slapping preachers for calling out other preachers. I'm so done with it. I'm so sick of it. You don't talk to yourself like that. What would you call that? What would you call that? If you just sit around, oh, bad talk, self-talk, oh, it's so negative, I'm so blah, blah, blah. We do it all the time with other brothers and sisters, people that are part of the body of Christ. The problem is, is you're looking at the kingdom of God as an individualistic entity, but it's not. It's collective. Will you stand up for the church? Jesus loves the church. As imperfect as she is, he gave himself for her, and that's a high price. And I never, ever, ever want to be caught criticizing those that the Lord has rescued and that which is his. Never. Lord, if I, I, had a, I had a thought this week about someone who was criticizing someone else that I wanted to slap, and I was like, oh, he's yours too. <sighs> what a predicament I'm in. <laughs> right? I'm critical towards the criticizers. <laughs> uh-huh. Lord, help me. I need help. They're his. So in participation, so appropriate. How are you participating? This is what I want you to do this week. I want you to get one person that needs to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Just one. And get them here with you on Easter next week. Because it might be the only time that they'll come to church is on Easter. Come to church Easter is awesome. We're going to coffee. You know. You're great. Get them here. Who are you going to bring? How are you advancing the kingdom? I'm not talking about what you do here, serving, volunteering, all that. That's great. We love that. We couldn't do any of this without that. But who are you bringing? How, are, how is the kingdom growing through you? One name. Just one name. Write that name down right now. Some of you are you're like, oh, I got four. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's break down the walls. I don't know how that's going to work next door, but. That's why we spent money on flyers. They do no good sitting on that table back there. They need to be gone. Please take them all. Little stacks. Is that, is that the kingdom? Not necessarily, but it is kingdom work. Send some text messages. Make some phone calls. Call somebody and tell them that you forgive them. And watch, watch through your reconciliation with that person that God ends up reconciling himself through that person because you have, you have just showed a great, the greatest demonstration of love is forgiveness. And so you've expressed that. And they say, well, why are you doing that? You say, because God beckons me to do it. And who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Do something. Lay some palms down this week. I know it sounds very practical and not so spiritual and hoop hauling, but who 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 are you inviting? Who are you bringing? Who are you leading to Jesus? Mm-hmm.